Good morning, I'm Scott Colborn. It's great to be with you and accept no substitutes. I am partially caffeinated and I'm working on getting the rest of the way there so I can do a good show for you today. Ensuring that we're going to have a good show with me is Jim Shorney. Hi there. And Colleen Newholly. Oh, good morning. <laughs> and you guys and gals out there, what's in your cup? Jack, reach your coffee is in my cup. Colleen, what are you drinking? I just have um, just like, I don't know what it is. I guess it's a medium-sized soda. <laughs> In uh, most European countries, this is actually a large. <laughs> and I have a cup of <clears throat> aforementioned Jack Reacher coffee as well. Okay. So I'm ready to go. Hey, we've got a first-time guest this morning. Uh, his name is Les Jensen. He'll be on as our main guest today. His book is called Forgiven Sinner, God's Last Savior. First up is going to be Charlene with the Capital Humane Society. And then In the Dark with Rosemary, Rosemary Ellen Guiley, uh, Paranormal Events and Activities Update. So I've been busy this week, uh, had a chance to mow my lawn last night. Yay! Yeah. I'll do a second lawn tonight. When are you going to come over and do mine? And <laughs> I won't be over, Jim. Aww. Sorry. I, don't, I guess you didn't get the memo about well, that, huh? I tried. <laughs> Maybe there's an industrious young person that can earn some money and, and mow Jim Shorney's lawn for him. Sure, there you go. Maybe that will work for you. Well, let's start out with Charlene in the Capital Humane Society. She's first up here, and she should be right there. Good morning. Hi, Charlene. How are you? Things are good. Thank you. And what's going on at the Capital Humane Society? Last week's um, adoptions were a success? Yes, we had a lot of people come out during our Clear the Shelters event. We're so grateful that people were adopted. I believe it was 41 <clears throat> adoptions, so pretty awesome. And we're looking forward to another busy Saturday. So that means you actually have some left, right? Oh, we do. Oh, okay, <laughs> and they're awesome. all awesome. So dogs, cats, a rabbit, a couple parakeets, a couple guinea pigs. So if you're looking for a companion animal, we hope you'll come Visit us. And Scott's looking at the cats page right now. I think he's a bit distracted here by all the pages. <laughs> There's some good-looking cats. Yeah. The website is capitalhumanesociety.org, and as Jim said, we're looking at the cats and kittens for adoption page. You can follow along at home. There's some great-looking cats. Charlene, who's, who, who are you going to start with? Gizmo. <laughs> and Gizmo, so cute. Two years old, a same female, a lot of white with some black and brown tabby. Uh, she's just laying there, very chill. Mm -hmm. She is a very cool cat, uh, enjoys attention, seems to get along with other felines, and is ready for a great new home. Oh, yeah, what a little cutie. I like that, uh -huh. that pattern around her nose. It kind of looks like she's gotten into something that she shouldn't have. <laughs> but, uh, but it's just markings on her fur. Very cute. Yep. A beautiful cat. Gizmo would be a great companion for? Uh, a family that just loves to have an entertaining sidekick. She, again, is pretty laid back, uh, seems to get along with other kitties, so uh, maybe the perfect new member of your family. Two cats are better than one, so? Hey, hey is next. <clears throat> 
which is a pretty good name. She is a spayed female, about a year old. She's all black, big, bright, shiny eyes. Surrendered to the Humane Society because her former family moved, and she's ready to find a great new family and be a charming and very cute companion. An all-black kitty. I've, I've had two black cats over the course of the years, and they've all been excellent, uh, excellent lovey-dovey lap cats. Uh, in, in fact, you practically can't get them out of your lap. And, and it doesn't, <laughs> you pick up a newspaper or a book or whatever, and they're just right there. Yep. And she looks very engaging, oh, ready yes, to does. get to know you and be your best friend. I, that's a really interesting name, a moniker. Hey, hey. Hey, 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 come here. Hey. <laughs> I like that. Beautiful cat, as Jim said. Uh, take a look at Hey, Hey uh, on the CapitalHumaneSociety.org website. And we've got Gizmo, Hey, Hey, and... And then there's Ray. Ray is a three-year-old buff tabby, a spade female, a very pretty cat, maybe a touch on the shy side, but very sweet and looking for somebody that she can trust with her heart of gold. Oh, and it's Ray, R-E-Y. Oh, there she is. Yeah. Tricky today. You, you fooled us. <laughs> <laughs> very nice looking cat. Uh-huh. Now, would you call this... Uh, uh, Colleen, as you look at the cat here, is this uh, Calico? Shirley, what is what? So she is a buff tabby. The Calicos okay. would yeah. have that black and orange and white. I was going to go with buff. Uh, but she's, a bu she's yeah. got real light, almost orange, but it's hmm. more of a buff tabby. Very, very, very light brownish. Boy, look at that very, yeah, very facial pretty. expression. She is really focused on something. Uh -huh. <laughs> I want that camera. That's mine. Yeah, I think yeah. the photographer probably has a very interesting dangly toy. <laughs> <laughs> yes, or a very juicy piece of food. <laughs> cool looking cat. <clears throat> Ray, R-E-Y, joins Hey Hey and Gizmo. Three great cats for adoption. And uh, here's Charlene with hours open today and tomorrow. Our Pylock Pet Adoption Center is open on Saturday and Sunday from 11 to 5.30. Okay, next up, we've got dogs for adoption. And who's up for dogs for adoption? We're going to start with Bailey. And Bailey is a four-year-old neutered male black lab. A big dog, about 88 pounds, very strong. So he's looking for someone who can keep up with him and provide him with proper training and direction. Um, he's very smart and uh, wants very much to please. So he'll do great with someone who knows how to give him proper direction and who can provide him with plenty of exercise. Mm -hmm. This would be a great dog for your uh, daily walk, your daily run. And... Uh He's house-trained, okay with cats. He's okay with other dogs. And uh, daily exercise is recommended. So there you go. Bailey leads us off with a great dog. Bailey's joined by... Hildy. And Hildy is a Rottweiler, about 90 pounds. We have all big dogs on today's program with you. She's two years old, a spayed female, beautiful, intelligent, 
uh, is looking for someone who really understands the breed. Um, also, again, she's quite strong, so needs someone who can handle her and provide her with some direction, and she will make a very, very good friend. Rottweilers are a really interesting breed. I, Jim, I played flag football one day with a Rottweiler. With a Rottweiler? <laughs> yes. And did the dog win? Oh, yeah, yeah. The, the dog was playing, I think, offensive tackle or one of those positions on the line there. And uh, the dog was really good. And when the dog went for that ball, just stand back. <laughs> Cool-looking dog. Hildy, H-I-L-L-D-I-E. Hildy. Great-looking dog, Rottweiler. Could be that right dog for you, huh? Take a look at Hildy's picture. We've got Bailey, Hildy, and... Cheyenne. And Cheyenne is a two-year-old spayed female pit bull. Uh, she's very strong, a powerful little dog, 60 pounds, looking for somebody who has plenty of time to provide her with playtime and walks and exercise and some training. Uh, she would like to be the one and only canine, but she is a lot of fun, so you'll never wish for another dog. And she is very much ready to meet a new family. Oh, great-looking dog, too. What, uh, what loyal dogs uh, and pit bulls have gotten, a, I think, over the years, a bad rap? It really goes back to how they're raised, how they're trained. And this could be a great dog for you and your family. Why don't you go out and meet Cheyenne today? Good-looking pit bull. You can start by looking at her picture at CapitalHumaneSociety.org. You know, Jim, back in a few years ago when people would say, I'm from Wyoming, I would say, because, you know, Cheyenne's triggering me, mm -hmm. I'd say, okay, let me make you feel at home. I would go, because I get a lot of wind out there. <laughs> So Cheyenne, she is a, a great-looking dog. Bailey, Hildy, and Cheyenne. And Charlene, what are your hours open today and tomorrow? Our Pylock Pet Adoption Center is open today and tomorrow from 11 to 5.30. When people come out to see you, what can they bring you for donated items? We can always use canned dog and cat food, especially the pate style. That works really good for feeding our animals. Um, towels are always very helpful. Um, and we can even use items like shoe boxes for the cats to sleep in. Cool. Okay. Charlene and friends, the Capital Humane Society, thank you very much again for our association with you. I hope you have a great rest of the weekend. Thank you for all you do. You have a great weekend, too. And, Jim, how do I shrink this down here? Uh, it should be one of the uh, icons in the upper right, I believe. Anyway, I think we had a little bit of wind here in the studio. <laughs> getting getting windy on us. <laughs> um, so, update real quick is Rosemary uh, said that she is currently at an event and I guess she's hosting a table. So, she said to call back within about five minutes or something. Okay, very good. Yeah. So, we'll just sit here and, and talk. Uh, <laughs> talk for five minutes. What's, what's new with you, Colleen? Um, nothing much really. Uh, I'm thinking... So, like, last week, the reason why I wasn't here was because we had um, something going on with our brakes. So we took our car in on Monday, and they said, oh, your hose was disconnected. 
Oh my goodness. The the, the brake pressure hose or whatever it is and uh, my mom was like, "Really? Like, how how could have that had happened?" And he was, and then the mechanic was like, "Well, have you had any work done on it?" And like literally the day before, um, we had new spark plugs put in. So I don't know if that had anything to do with it or. Oh, that probably helps. Yeah. So. Yeah. So at least we got the spark plugs changed, and now the um, the brakes are fixed. So mm-hmm. so we should be. Well, you can't ever yeah. go wrong with new spark plugs and new brakes. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, <laughs> it's not going to run worse if you put in new spark plugs. Like, yep. I can tell you that. And other update is that my siblings started school again, so they're... Ah, so it's a little quieter around the house during the day then. Yeah. yeah. It, it's kind of sad, too, because the cat is like, like every time... Like they leave the house, he's like meow, yeah, well, meow. He's like, where'd they go? Oh, the cat will adapt. <laughs> they're, they're very adaptable creatures. Like he'll literally sit and sit and stare at the door, or he'll like try looking out through the window blinds. <laughs> mm-hmm. We're just like they'll be, he'll they'll be back. Don't panic. And then he curls up and goes to sleep. <laughs> well, they're always ready to welcome you home when you do get home. So yeah, that's uh. <laughs> I'd, I'd say it, it's just as good as having a dog, except they don't take up much space, generally speaking. Speaking of dogs, I had an interesting dream about my dog last really? night. Yeah, there was a guy that was all in camouflage. He looked like uh, sort of a guy from Desert Storm, from that theater over there. And uh, he had met my dog, Mac. And wanted to know um, if he could either borrow or or have Mac. <laughs> and I said I wasn't ready to give him up, but we could probably work out something. You could rent he, him, rent him if he if he needed. <laughs> so, with my interest in dreams, I'll be pondering that. I'm going to take Mac in to the vet mm. this week, so it could mm-hmm. be a preparatory kind mm-hmm. of dream for that. Um, hey, you two, yeah. you're you're off next Saturday. Okay. Well, I'm always a little off. (laughs) Next Saturday is the Blues Blowout. It's part of that, and I don't like that name so Mm -hmm. much, but it's it's part of um, this weekend celebration over Labor Day. And so we have this great big focus at KZUM on blues, as everybody knows. What a great station for the blues. Uh, Some of the best blues Monday through Friday of anybody in the world. And Labor Day, we take on this special sort of focus, and we start Friday, we run all the way through Monday evening with nothing but the blues. So I'll be down here next week, but it'll be a slightly different exploring unexplained phenomena. Exploring unexplained blues. (laughs) That's right. Yeah. So that'll be kind of a fun program. And hey, you two, I connected with um, David Janay, who is the artist that did our original artwork for exploring unexplained phenomena. And we are updating that. We're going to keep that same image, but we're going to kind of tweak that image a little bit. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to need your T-shirt sizes for both of you today. And uh, we'll get that figured out for maybe some T-shirts being printed. Very cool. It'll be be neat again. Um, I thought about putting either across the shoulders and the back staff so that you guys could be identified as being associated, or thought about just putting hoser. <laughs> so, which would you no, prefer? No, that's your shirt. That's me. Yeah, that's your shirt. Head hoser. <laughs> a. 
Yeah. <laughs> hey, speaking of next weekend, um, and I can't help but notice this because it's right here in front of me. Mm -hmm. KZUN Blues Blowout. This is going to be the big celebration at the Zoo Bar, Lincoln's internationally known blues bar. It starts with 5 p.m. and uh, goes with the Little Slim Band at 7. And the Great Band Indigenous is at 9 o'clock. And this is to celebrate and recognize 40 years of KZUM Radio. So what a... Uh, what a milestone. And I think there are 40-some stations, 40 to 50-some stations like KZOM uh, in the United States that are independent, that are non-commercial, non-profit. So when people move into Lincoln and find KZOM and or they're on the uh, Internet and they find our, our Internet presence, they're just overjoyed because of all the different programs that uh, they can listen to. My, my late friend Pete Galati was from mm -hmm. Chicago, and uh, Pete was sort of okay with my talk show that I did, but he was really interested in the blues, and he became a subscriber, a member of KZUM, because he said, you know, nobody's got blues like KZUM, and I'm from Chicago. Wow. And so, uh, all sorts of fun things going on down here to celebrate 40 years of... Uh, of being on the air, and I've not, I've not been here for 40 years. There are some people um, that have been around for just about that long. I'm trying to think about our program in October. We celebrate 34 years, and I was here for maybe a couple years before that, so I'm probably about 36 years, I mm -hmm. would guess, pretty close to that. Well, it's hard to stay that long with anything, really. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, uh, that's impressive. Rosemary uh, normally joins us every fourth Saturday. She was just on last week mm -hmm. with a cool show. So uh, she's at an event today, and she can't be with us. So uh, we'll be joining our main guest here in about 10 minutes. We'll do the bottom of the hour break and kind of give you an update, too, on some future guests coming up. Two weeks from today, we've got the annual fall fundraiser for KZUM. And our special guest is the incredible Andrea Perrin, who wrote House of Darkness, House of Light, the uh, trilogy. She's got a brand new book coming out that she says is just going to blow the doors off the paranormal community. Mm. So I'm anxious to talk to Andrea ab about that. And uh, she's... Uh, a remarkably candid woman. I, I really enjoy Andrea because you can ask her for her opinion and she will give it to you. And boy, I sure like that. There are some people that sort of hem and haw and, and sort of sit right on the fence and they're not willing to, to nut Andrea. She's right there. She will tell you what she thinks. Uh, she and her uh, father, Roger, just had an incredible rain deluge, and so I hope that they're drying out from, from that. So Andrea Perrin joins us in two weeks during our special annual fall fundraiser. And on the show two weeks from today, we're going to ask you folks for donations. Uh, our goal is going to be $1,500 in listener donations for nonprofit, non-commercial KZUM Lincoln. And it's not up to one person, it's not up to two or three, Everybody gives a little, 
and it all adds up, and we uh, we hit our fifteen hundred dollar goal. So we'll have a lot of sixty and eighty nine dollar thirty cent pledges and some one twenties, and mm-hmm. it'll and all uh, it's all good. It'll all yes, it's all good. Mm-hmm. Three weeks from today, Jim, we've got a first time guest, Calvin Parker. Uh, Charles Hickson and Calvin Park were in the sit Mississippi and had a close encounter. So this is Calvin Parker's um, brand new book called Pascagoula, The Closest Encounter, My Story. Four weeks from today, we've got Lynn Robinson, Loving to the End and On, A Guide to the Impossibly Possible. The last Saturday of September, our good friend Paula Harris is going to update us on the Starworks USA UFO Symposium that takes place coming up in November, November 2nd through the 4th. I'll be going out for that. In fact, we're going to have a live broadcast, Jim and, and Colleen, from the, mm-hmm. the conference site. That should Lots be of fun. fun. First week of October, we've got um, a return of Dr. Raymond Moody and Lisa Smart. Dr. Moody has pioneered um, life after death, and he uh, and Lisa are starting something called the University of Heaven. So that'll be a really interesting program. We have first-time guest Prema Lee Guerreri. Your sacred wealth code unlock your soul blueprint for purpose and prosperity on the 13th. On the 20th of October, our good friend Carol Fleet, a brand new book called Loss is a Four-Letter Word, a Bereavement Boot Camp for the Widowed. The 27th, we have an annual Ghost Stories program that I'll be putting together. And so, Jim and Colleen, if you've got some favorite stories that you'd like to share, that'll be a great, great time to do that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Coming up in November... As I say, I'll be broadcasting live from the Starworks USA UFO Symposium in Laughlin, Nevada, November 3rd. November 10th, we've got Bill Hall. He returns with a sidekick, Jimmy Penanito. And they're the authors of Phantom Messages, Chilling Phone Calls, Letters, Emails, and Texts from Unknown Realms. Finally, on November 17th, we've got our old friend Paul Blake Smith, who is going to have a brand new book out called JFK and the Willard Hotel Plot. We haven't done a show on JFK and the assassination for a long time, so (laughs) that'll be an interesting show. Who do we have uh, on deck here, Cole? Oh, it's um, Rosemary. Okay. So she can join us. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, she can join us. So. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't quite understand that earlier. <laughs> so, uh, Rosemary Guiley, are you there? I am here, Scott. It's fantastic, as always, to talk to you. Young lady, where are you at this morning? I am in the Sioux. I'm in uh, Sioux St. Marie, Michigan, oh, at sure. the ninth Annual uh, Michigan Paracon, and we are having a fantastic event. Uh, we've got about uh, at least 1,200 people here in attendance, and uh, it's just rocking and rolling. What do you attribute those high numbers to? Uh, well, quality event. I've been, uh, this is the ninth Michigan Paracon. I've been to seven of them. 
and uh, the, the folks who put it on, uh, the uh, Upper Peninsula Paranormal Research Society, uh, they, they know how to stage an event, and uh, they get a good lineup every year. Uh, this is, I do a lot of the same events every year, and this has one of the highest return rates of all the events that I do. So once people come, they really um, they, they feel that they're part of a family here. Mm-hmm. And uh, they know that they come every year. It's going to be a good time, good social time, good event time with talks and lectures. Uh, I gave a Black Mirror workshop last night that was very well attended. We had um, incredible results for people and even a manifestation in the room. Whoa, tell me about that. Well, you never know what's going to happen with black mirror scrying, and uh, we do it to contact the dead. And uh, we've had uh, apparitions show up. We've had angels, spirit guides, gods and goddesses, uh, the dead. Well, last night uh, in the discussion, um, there was a woman who described in great detail what she had encountered in the mirror, including seeing uh, some of her pet dogs that had passed over. Well, the woman sitting next to her had, during uh, the mirror journey, which is personal and it's uh, silent, I play meditation music in the background, uh, she saw a small dog uh, in the room, and it darted under this woman's feet and then disappeared. And it matched the description of, of one of the pets that this woman had lost. Uh, so uh, that's the first time we've ever had someone say they've, they've seen a, a deceased pet. Mm, uh, we've had lots of relatives show up, and like I said, angels and spirit guides, and we've had uh, sound manifestations. We've had music and chanting and drumming. Uh, but this was the first last night. And um, the, the important thing is, more than the manifestations, because they sound dramatic, is that people have a a powerful and emotionally moving experience, which varies for individuals. Uh, Some people get a lot the first time they use a mirror, and some people it takes them a while to get much. But the purpose of it is to to see if you can establish contact with someone who has passed over in a meaningful way, Uh, to get a message, to receive a message, to have some sort of reassurance, uh, closure. Uh, we had several people who were able to have uh, varying degrees of closure uh, last night, uh, things that had gnawed at them for years. And uh, that's the important part of this work. And I was just going to ask you, and you, you answered succinctly, uh, as to the benefit of using a scrying technique and the black mirror technique. And it's to contact those that have died and passed on for uh, grief support, for closure. And I, I would guess underlying all that, Rosemary, is the knowledge then that what is real about somebody continues despite physical death. Well, and that's an important component to it, too, that uh, intellectually people might believe in survival or, uh, you know, we'd like to think, we've been taught, etc. But when you have a powerful personal experience like this, uh, it it can be a real clincher for some people. Like, I know now, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that uh, physical death is not the end. 
and we do carry on. And not only not only do we carry on, we have the capability of remaining close to our loved ones who are uh, still in the in on this side of the veil. And uh, that varies by individual as well. Um, the, not all of the dead are universally accessible. We don't know what they're doing. Um, uh, just because we want to establish contact doesn't mean that they're automatically available to us. And so that it does vary somewhat. But um, most of us have uh, lost enough loved ones over the course of the years that um, we can establish a, a link with um, more than one of them mm-hmm. who passed on over. And uh, so the black mirror winds up being really a very powerful psychic tool. You can also use it for uh, divination, for looking into the future. You can explore your past lives. Uh, You can contact spirit guides and angels. I've used them in paranormal investigation, in mediumship, and in seances, in psychic readings. But uh, in the workshops that I do, the focus is on making contact with the dead. You've got uh, several books that have just come out, so you probably have a vendor book table. Are you getting tired of writing your name and signing autographs? <laughs> I don't think authors ever get tired of that, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's very gratifying to have your work well well received by people. And um, yes, I've um, now got several books out in afterlife studies because this is a growing area for me. I have uh, two books that just came out within a few weeks of each other, Contact with the Dead and Mysteries of the Afterlife. And uh, those have been going very well here. Uh, So it's been very busy this morning at at, um, uh, the table. And um, like I said, it's gratifying to see my work uh, reach so many people and be meaningful to people. Can Joe come to these events and also help you out and kind of hang out with you? Joe comes to most of the events. And uh, this, however, is his first time to Michigan. Uh, He just hasn't been able to make it for one reason or another in the past. Finally made it this year, so I'm very grateful also to have a table slave. (laughs) (laughs) And how's the food there? I travel a lot by my stomach, so how's how's the dining experiences? Well, uh, we have been going to town on Great Lakes whitefish and um, and really enjoying that. The seafood here is good. Um, This event takes place at a casino. It's called the Kuwaitan Casino in the Sioux. And uh, they treat us well here. Okay. Rosemary, you've uh, got a publishing website now called VisionaryLivingPublishing.com. And that's a good site for people to bookmark because you've got so many things coming out. I do, and uh, it's not just my own work anymore. It's uh, works of other authors. And mm-hmm. this year I will have, uh, by the time we reach year's end, I'll have issued uh, between 10 and 12 new books. Oh, congratulations. Uh, which is a pretty, pretty good pace for a publishing operation my size. Wow. That's, in, that's incredibly impressive. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> Okay, Rosemary, um, I hope you have a great rest of the weekend there. It is always great to talk to you, and I really enjoyed your appearance um, with Haunted Hills and Hollows. That was so fun. It was, and Kevin really enjoyed it, too. Uh, That book continues to do well, 
And um, Kevin and I are working on a sequel, and we've already got some dynamite material. Oh, I bet. Okay, Rosemary, my best to Joe. Have a great rest of the weekend. Thank you for taking time with us. Okay, thank you so much, Scott. Bye. Rosemary Ellen Guiley. This segment's called In the Dark with Rosemary. I'll give you two websites, visionaryliving.com, and she's got a free newsletter there, and visionarylivingpublishing.com. Rosemary Ellen Guiley, G-U-I-L-E-Y. I've called her for years now the queen of the paranormal. Mm-hmm. I, I just have no idea how she sustains the pace that she does. Did you hear her say that at the end of the year, she'll have between 10 and 12 books out from her publishing yeah, company? Yeah, that's, that's impressive. Let alone for the stuff that she's writing and working on. Wow. Maybe she's from another planet. I think she's got great connections. Now, I, what yeah, a, just awesome stuff. What a great contribution. Rosemary Ellen Guiley. I get tired just listening to her. So I need to do the bottom of the hour breaks. Let's, let's do that. And then we'll be back with our guest, Les Jensen, the author of Forgiven Sinner, God's Last Savior. I'm Scott Colborn with Colleen and Jim Shorney. And you guys and gals, we are exploring unexplained phenomena. Hi, dudes and dudettes. Carol Griswold from Women's Blues and Boogie on your community radio station, 89.3 FM, KZUM Lincoln and KZUM HD. Support for KZUM comes from the Nebraska Recycling Council helping to protect the natural environment and extend the life of our landfill, reminding Lincoln and Lancaster County that corrugated cardboard will not be accepted at the landfill. For more on recycling services and area drop-off sites, nrcne.org or 402-436-2384. This is Lynette Fast on Art Talk Live. Head on over to kzum.org forward slash Art Talk Live and pick up on our artistic stories. We're excited to share with you stories about artists, stories about events in the community, things that are going on in the arts, and how artists think what they do and why they do what they do. Steve Nozzle of the Lincoln Parks and Rec Department and master designer, master gardener, teacher of many gardeners at the Sunken Gardens here in Lincoln has joined me recently and shared with us his passion and his excitement and how his drive to work at the gardens has led into a very fulfilling and satisfying career. How do you explain a garden? Uh, an annual flower garden is something that uh, Monet called, uh, as they grow, they do color weep. So you get different colors coming out at different times. Some plants grow taller than others. So it changes the hue of the garden. And sometimes it eats itself and you have to trim it back a little bit and other times you have to play with it so that that's kind of what my job today was is to go in to look at what is right what's wrong in the garden please join us at art talk live kzum.org forward slash art talk live this program is made possible in part by a grant from the corporation for public broadcasting Celebrate 40 years of KZUM keeping the blues alive at our third annual Blues Blowout Benefit Concert on Friday, August 31st, featuring Indigenous, 
Lil Slim Blues Band, and Emily Bass Blues from 5 p.m. until late. Tickets online and at the Zoo Bar. Find out more at kzum.org. KZUM is hiring. We are looking for an outgoing individual who is passionate about our great city to join our development team full-time. If working for a growing community-minded radio station sounds like the job for you, check out the full job description and list of requirements at kzum.org. My name is Manny Morales. I'm 45 and I coach youth football. It's still hard to believe because the high school me was a work in progress. But big brothers, big sisters give me a real role model. And the young me needed a role model bad. My bigger brother's name is Ray. And Ray is the reason that this seven-year-old grows up to be a role model himself. Whether you donate money or time, you're helping big brothers, big sisters help a child. Start something today at bigbrothersbigsisters.org. Brought to you by Big Brothers Big Sisters and the Ad Council. The full moon lights the silver rails winding around dark mountains and over steep gorges of jagged rock in one freezing cold rushing black mountain river. I wish there was enough time to describe all of the funny twists and turns that led up to now, but there isn't enough time because there's a ticking clock and the two passengers we care most about don't know anything about it. To see what happens next, visit read.gov to read The Exquisite Corpse, a riveting adventure pieced together by John Sheska, Shannon Hale, Daniel Handler, and other popular authors. Explore new worlds. Read. Brought to you by the Library of Congress and the Ad Council. Far from the din of commercial culture and just this side of the abstract is a place I call Mesoterra. I'm Vic Valverde, your tour guide for an eclectic musical excursion on a program called Mesoterra. Saturdays, 12 noon until 1.30, right here on KZUM. I'm Scott Colborn with Exploring Unexplained Phenomena. Our main guest is Les Jensen, the author of multiple books, including Forgiven Sinner. He's done Citizen King, The New Age of Power, and also Personal Power Fundamentals. He makes his home in Colorado, and he felt like such a rookie when he experienced his first moments of awakening. He had a background in television as an engineer, and so he had studied and knew about the nature of power, electricity, frequency, energy, and interestingly enough, working with technology prepared him for working with the energy of human consciousness. He also is a radio show host. Please welcome Les Jensen to the broadcast. Hi Les, good morning to you. Hi, Scott. Thank you so much for having me on your show. Uh, you're in the Rockies. Uh, do you enjoy Colorado? Boy, I do. If I look west, the mountain range is from Canada to Mexico. Mm -hmm. It's such a yang, powerful presence. And if I look east, it's really kind of flat till the Atlantic Ocean. So right at that meeting point is is the front range of Colorado. I love living here. Mm -hmm. 
Well, we that live here in Nebraska have really appreciated our proximity and association to Colorado. Uh, we can get out there in eight to ten hours, and so many of us uh, since childhood have vacationed out there. I've got very, very fond memories of a number of places in Colorado. And my cousins lived in Colorado Springs. Oh, nice. Les, have you always made your home in Colorado? No, I was born in Brigham City, Utah, about an hour north of Salt Lake. Oh. How was that growing up for you there in Utah? <laughs> it's kind of like the Twilight Zone. Oh, I was tell uh, me, born tell and me raised Mormon. Okay. And uh, in a small town in Utah in the 60s, um, the Mormon uh, population was a very high percentage in the 90% range. And everybody had the same answer to any question I asked. And so it was, it was kind of interesting, but I know my soul had a purpose for it. So I very much appreciate all of it. It was probably a good, uh, a good ballast, if you will, a good um, centering influence. But at the same time, I remember the '60s was a time of uh, exploration, of new ideas, of letting go of of some old paradigms that no longer seemed to be working. Lots and lots of change was in the air, in all all manners of our lives. I can imagine that that was an interesting yin-yang for you there in Utah. It, it was. I think it, uh, it instilled a very deep and passionate desire to know more than just the surface, to, to dig in deeper, if you will. To, I wanted to know why. I wanted to know more than the textbook answer. I wanted to peel back the veil and... And look in deeper, so to speak. Mm -hmm. I'm a I'm a Christian that has come back in more recent years to that church. Uh, I'm a Presbyterian, but I did a 20 year search of world religions, uh, looking for lots of answers and looking for lots of of information. And I remembered that when I was a child, perhaps you had the same experience. I had asked some questions in a Sunday school Bible study, and the teacher, I'm not sure, was prepared for the question, but the teacher said, you're not supposed to ask questions, you're just supposed to memorize the answers. <laughs> right. And I thought to myself, wait a minute, what? What? What was that? <laughs> How did you get connected with, um, with uh, radio and TV? Well, you know, had you asked me um, in my late teens, early 20s, if I was going to spend three-plus decades in broadcast television, I would have I laughed. But um, I started off working in a, uh, uh, an outfit in Salt Lake City, Evanston, Sutherland. They made flight stimulators for the pretty much the military and, and very big industry. And when that didn't work out, I, I looked around for another job and a TV station had a headhunter come find me. And 
um, I interviewed for the job, I said, I don't know what any of this stuff does, but it sure looks delicious. And uh, they seemed to like that attitude, so they hired me, and, and that was the beginning of my career in broadcast TV. During the uh, uh, opening of the book here, Forgiven Sinner, God's Last Savior, you're sort of looking over Les's shoulder because he's in a helicopter. The helicopter is going to the top of a mountain peak, and it's heavy snow country. At the top of that mountain peak is a TV station broadcast transmitter. And Les's job is to be there for a week to make sure that the signal stays up, that it doesn't go off. The helicopter can't land because of all the snow cover, so they hover. He jumps out in about waist-deep snow, makes a number of trips from the transmitter shack to the helicopter to get supplies, and then he's on his own. After the week was over, did the helicopter come back and pick you up? How, how did that yeah. go? <laughs> well, the, the thing about um, high mountain peaks is if a blizzard comes in and you can't get to the top with uh, snowmobiles, snowshoes, even the big uh, snowcats, snow mm -hmm. because it's just too vertical. And that week was uh, the, a rating period, which is very important for revenue. And there's also the Olympics, which meant we had a lot of eyeballs watching the station. And so station management decided to man the transmitter for an entire month. And they broke it up into one-week shifts. I was very new to TV. I was, I didn't have but a, a few years under my belt, and they dropped me off by myself, and here I am living in this concrete building. I remember a storm came in, and it laid down so much snow. I opened the door to go outside, and the snow had gone completely up over the building, and so the, it was just a, a wall of snow on the other side of the door, and luckily there was a second door on the other end of the building or I would have been stuck inside for a while. Oh, my goodness. Dad told me when he was a kid living down by the Nebraska-Kansas border in a little town of Superior, Nebraska, actually on a farm, they had such heavy snows that they actually tunneled from the house to the barn to be able to feed the animals. Sure. So, Les, uh, moving forward from that, that uh, 30 years of broadcast... Tell me more about the questions that you had been thinking about. Well, I had a, from a very young age, I was really fascinated by our human demeanor. What made us choose what we chose? What made us behave the way we behaved? I remember when I got my driver's license, I would drive to Salt Lake International Airport and just sit and watch the people come and go. I was really fascinated by human beings. And um, the more I went through life, I had some real curious questions like, um, how come uh, the world isn't improving, so to speak? I mean, if, if we're um, praying 
for salvation or the end of suffering, how come we're not seeing a tangible um, traction, if you will? The thing about working in TV, especially when uh, you're affiliated with a big network, you watch the world. All the, the, the networks I worked for had reporters all over the world reporting on war and famine and, and corruption and whatnot. And decade after decade, it was the same story. And I didn't see a real core shift in the human paradigm, in the human story. And it, it, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't wrap my noggin around, why are we just spinning our wheels? Why, why don't we get some traction out of this? Yeah, we can't solve problems using the same old ways of trying to solve them. Somebody said it better, much better than I. Maybe it was Einstein or, or uh, Edison, but... So, you noted that the human condition wasn't really improving. And what did you do next? <laughs> I asked myself a lot of questions about um, how, is, how is salvation of humanity supposed to work? How, what's the... What's the, I mean, if you, if you thought about it, every single, quote, savior from every single religion had pretty much come and gone in the human story, and the suffering stayed put. I mean, the, the, the notion that, well, the saviors are going to save our fannies, the saviors are the, the trump card. Which, which was kind of the jest of, of uh, the, the religious imprinting of my childhood. Um, but I didn't see the mechanics of that working. I didn't see any effect. I mean, if you think about it, there easily has to have been a billion prayers. There's seven billion people on the planet. And whenever somebody goes into suffering through war or deceit or slavery or bondage or pick one they pray and they and they ask for answers to their prayers and here we are decades later in the military just spent i think the news report said there was 21 trillion dollars unaccounted for i mean we're not getting closer to peace we're ex uh, our history shows that we're expanding war the the war mindset and so if you look at the tea leaves, so to speak, what we've been doing in the past flat out hasn't worked. So I, I was curious to understand what would work. What's the what was intended by these saviors? What's the what's the trump card to turn things around? I mean, um, how, how is salvation or heaven on earth? to be accomplished. And Les, when you first started to think deeply about these things, and to, as I would imagine that if you had grown up in a tightly knit, if you'll permit me to say it as such, religious community, 
you would have been an outsider, wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah, that would that would be uh, one way to say it. Um, or excommunicated. Yeah. Well, I I by um, I requested that, and they hem and hawed, and I requested it again. I said, "Boy, howdy! If I wanted to join the church, I'd have to say one sentence, and you'd." You'd sign me up like that, but when I want to quit the church, you have this big argument with me. Do my words have weight or not? I mean, you know, it, it was like a, it, it was very curious. But I think a powerful part of my story was I was the last of seven children. And mom and dad were were tired of being parents, and I think they had pushed some of that responsibility over on my older siblings. So I was the last child of seven. I remember my mom and dad would say, does anyone see left? Do you see him? Period. Do you just see him? And if any of my siblings said yes, that was the end of it. So I had complete and total freedom from day one. They never, they never asked what I was doing or what mischief I may or may not have been in. So my, my mental faculties, if you will, were unbridled and untethered from the beginning. Hmm. We'll come back with more conversation with our first-time guest, Les Jensen, the author of Forgiven Sinner, God's Last Savior, after this top-of-the-hour break. I'll give you a couple of websites, meanwhile, to pull up. Les Jensen, that's L-E-S, and Jensen, J-E-N-S-E-N, dot com. And also, newhumanliving.com. Stay tuned for more conversation with Les Jensen, the author of Forgiven Sinner on Exploring Unexplained Phenomena. Hi dudes and dudettes, it's Carol Griswold from Women's Blues and Boogie on your community radio station, 89.3 FM, KZUM Lincoln and KZUM HD. Support for KZUM comes from family owned and operated Butheris Mason and Love Funeral Home at 40th and A Streets in Lincoln. Offering services that allow families to plan ahead according to personal wishes, chapel facilities to accommodate all faiths, and grief support materials for the family following a service. More information is available at 402-488-0934 and online at bmlfh.com. Out returns to KZUM's airwaves between Friday, August 31st and Monday, September 3rd. Three and a half days of nothing but the blues to celebrate the end of summer. The Blues Blowout is Labor Day weekend right here on Nebraska's home for the blues, KZUM. My name is Manny Morales. I'm 45 and I coach youth football. It's still hard to believe because the high school me was a work in progress. But big brothers, big sisters give me a real role model. And the young me needed a role model back. 
My bigger brother's name is Ray, and Ray is the reason that this seven-year-old grows up to be a role model himself. Whether you donate money or time, you're helping Big Brothers Big Sisters help a child. Start something today at BigBrothersBigSisters.org. Brought to you by Big Brothers Big Sisters and the Ad Council. Far from the din of commercial culture and just this side of the abstract is a place I call Mesoterra. I'm Vic Valverde, your tour guide for an eclectic musical excursion on a program called Mesoterra. Saturdays, 12 noon until 1.30, right here on KZUM. Scott Colborn with Jim and Colleen. And you guys and gals, we are exploring unexplained phenomena. Our guest is Les Jensen. His latest book is called Forgiven Sinner. God's last savior. If somebody said, um, seen you at, a, at an author event, Les, what's this book about? How would you respond? The, um, what, what we're looking for when we look for salvation or the end of suffering is a relationship with our own divinity. The, the idea of the Father and I are one, or the kingdom of heaven is within, and that um, everything that we seek we'll find when we look within ourselves, and that our, the saviors were never intended to be the ones that lift us out of uh, suffering or bondage. Saviors aren't intended to, to wave a wand or or use their uh, power to lift us out of anything. We're here as human beings. God's not going to save us against our will. It's going to be by the will of the human beings that decide whether we are, quote, saved or not. So we've had, as you said earlier before the break, um, billions of prayers asking for relief from suffering to influence outcomes. And we have a energy that we use the term God for that is the creator of all things that has made a choice to give us this choice and is not going to jump in and fix it. Right. So that means that uh, the folks that say that there's going to be a armada of UFOs that are going to show up and lift off the chosen ones before the great cataclysm, you know, uh, as a UFO researcher, when I heard that, I thought to myself, that doesn't ring true. I don't believe that for a second. I don't think that our salvation is going to come from a whole fleet of UFOs lifting off the quote-unquote chosen ones. That's elitist, and uh, I don't buy that for a minute. So it means that if we're to fix things, it's up to us, right? Through our own human demeanor, yeah. How do we go about doing that? Because... 
if just just from the the birth and death of Jesus Christ, we've had over two thousand years for those uh, incredible teachings to be around us, and yet, as you say, we still have war, strife, mayhem. Does that go back to uh, that that human beings have that capacity? Uh, to to sin. Well, the the way we change it is uh, is to desire it, to desire um, the end of suffering, to intend the end of suffering. We have free will. We can choose to go into another thousand years of war if we want. Mm-hmm. We the the human ego, if you will has built out a nuclear platform that could end life on Earth. And God didn't stop any of that from happening. We have insane, fierce free will to do as we choose. And here we are clicking a long time. And that free will is not tethered. So if we want salvation, we have free will. It's through our intention as human beings It's quite clear God's not going to reach into our psyche and strong-arm our our mental um, awareness into anything. Free will um, says it's done unto us as we believe. So if if humanity is going to turn this around, humanity needs to desire to turn it around. God in and of uh, himself will not force anything. And it's quite certain that God won't descend from the heavens as some big glowing orb and and change our condition against our will. That's not going to happen. That doesn't exist anywhere in our mythology. But I agree. I mean, Jesus came, and boy, Jesus, man, wow. Wow, what a powerful, powerful teacher. Mm-hmm. But when when he ended his days on the earth, the Roman Empire was very uh, engaged in war. He didn't end war. He didn't. So did he go, is he off to superhuman savior school and now he'll come back and kick everybody's ass? No. Jesus was plenty powerful enough, but that's not the role of the Savior. We're here for the human experience. It'll be through our human persona, our human demeanor, that anything happens or doesn't happen. And Les, do you think we have that capacity based upon what you know of humanity? Do we, can we be that Savior? Absolutely, no question. The, um, I suggest, um, well, we could, we could go off on several tangents here. I'm going to talk about karma for a second. Yeah, Les, and I, I appreciate any tangent you want to go down. One of the, the hallmarks of our show is that it's just <laughs> like you and I are having a cup of coffee and letting things go where they may. It's spontaneous right. in the moment. So I'm, I'm honoring where you want to go with it. Well... So imagine a, a brand new soul. I'm just, I'm, I don't, 
I'm not talking about details. I'm talking about the concept. A brand new soul has no human experience, no human desire, and no karma. And the soul is born into flesh, and then the accumulation of karma starts. Every, and karma's, karma's a slippery little thing. It, it's like electricity. Electricity's been on this planet since the beginning of time. It wasn't invented, it was discovered. And for eons of time, electricity set there dormant. And consciousness is the same way. Consciousness is extremely powerful. And if you're listening to this sentence right now, you are that consciousness, period, end of story. You are the substance itself. Consciousness in and of itself is very powerful. But look at society, and there's seven-plus billion personas of karma. There's the homeless vet at the, at the corner that's trying to get through this minute, through this hour. And, and their psyche is so loaded up with trauma and pain that they have a tough time sustaining life. If they get a cold tonight, they might die. So that's, that's so karmically laden, they have no wherewithal to do anything but just survive. And if we put that on one end of a scale, and then we go on the complete opposite end of the scale, there's Jesus Christ. Holy cow, Jesus Christ walks into a room, and the, and the sick are healed. And the difference between those two is how much karma the persona has. And so when we look at human beings, it's very easy for us to say, well, human beings suck at getting anything done. Human beings couldn't, couldn't fix anything if they wanted to. I mean, we're, it looks like we're struggling. But don't be fooled. Consciousness in and of itself is, is um, our own divinity, if you will. My ego, I didn't have an ego when I was born, but I had consciousness, and I built an ego on top of that consciousness, and now my ego asks questions. <laughs> Every one of us is an extremely powerful point of presence of consciousness, and humanity has everything it needs to, to accomplish anything it puts its intention and desires towards. One of the things, Les, that I've observed uh, in my years on the planet is there are those people that are striving to be awake. There are many, many people that are, as Gurdjieff said, that are literally asleep on their feet. Sure. And I believe that there is a, a presence, an energy on this planet that wants to keep people asleep. So it's, from my standpoint, it's very, very difficult. And I think we see that through... Um, a lot of 
interpersonal uh, interactions as well as we see that spread out, not just in the current political landscape, but through the last hundred years of politics. Um, what we have in the last election, we had, I think, 40% of the voters voted and 60% of the eligible voters that decided to not vote. How do, how do we get people, if I'm correct, that there, if there is this energy or presence that doesn't want people to be awake, how do we get people awakened? Don't give that energy or presence another thought ever again. The what? Um, so you look at the TV, and here comes the the news show, and here's the A segment, and they're talking about this and that, and um, how much karma we have in our psyche. Every single one of us has a unique collage of karma. And what karma does is it connects us to the collective story because we, we energetically um, have unresolved karmic imprinting in our psyche. And so we watch a story and, and we react in fear or, or our emotions well up. And any time we have a reaction, we're creating the exact same results. Power, from a, from a personal point of view, always comes from within you. And so if you look at the sentencing of your ego as you go throughout the day, if it's talking about events outside of you, in a pattern or repetitive way, then you're karmically disconnecting from the creation process. You're looking at what you don't want and you're repetitively patterning conversation of what you don't want. That never creates what you want. That behavior will not create anything that you want. Now, it's fine to look at something and say, well, you know, that's terrible. Look at what's happening. That's terrible. I don't want that. I want, I want a better scenario. And so I take my consciousness and I say, what would be better? Now I've shifted and I, I, and I, I open up my inspiration portal, if you will, and I say, peace on earth compassion for each other, unconditional love. Well, that's a big one. We could talk about that for a, quite a while. When I shift my consciousness towards what I want, then a, a, a new thing happens that wouldn't ever, ever happen if I look and point at what's happening outside of me and create sentences about my disdain. That's it. The more you do that, the the less power you have. But if I look and I say, um, what I want is peace on earth. What I want is prosperity for all. What I want is health and happiness. It's like if, if you decide you want a blue truck. I want a blue truck. I'm just inventing this idea. 
a blue truck, a blue truck. But, well, you could go driving later today and, hey, look, there's a blue truck over there. Oh, oh, look, there's another one. When you put your intention on something, in, in the environment of our consciousness, there's always opportunity to move towards fear or towards love. And whichever one we're holding in our mind, if we're looking at the events outside of us and reacting in fear, we're going to see more and more fear. But if we, if we look at, at love, if we look at what we want, there'll be opportunities for us in this day to choose love. And when, in the same way we've had a, a perhaps a habitual pattern of living in fear, we can create a habitual pattern of living in love. So we're the creator always, always of what we experience. Uh, Bless what what has to happen for the guy or gal in the street that is asleep to get them started to consider changing? A desire for change. A desire. They're the creators. If they don't desire change, it will not happen. And in Personal Power Fundamentals, I talk about karma and power. And, you know, so many people on this planet are so loaded up with karma. Mm -hmm. It's like uh, a super tanker on the ocean. And, and karma is the opposite of purity. In Forgiven Center, I talk about purity and authenticity. Jesus was so powerful because he was pure. He, he, he had karmic, uh, uh, his karmic disposition was almost non-existent. And uh, that's what made him powerful. And then, you, and then you load yourself up with karma and that disconnects you from your power. So the person uh, needs to desire change um, they have to believe that change is possible, correct? Yeah, sure. If they don't, uh, if they don't think it'll happen, then they're the creator. You, every single one of us, it's done unto you as you believe. If you don't think it's possible, go sit on your hands. It, but I, I tell you, um... There was an event in my life that changed my life. It was a moment that before that moment, I saw myself only as a TV engineer. And after that moment, I opened up. Um, I didn't understand how much I opened up until years later, but I had uh, been sitting on a psychiatrist's couch for a couple of years. And he said to me, he said, Les, when are we gonna talk about anger? I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm not an angry guy. I, uh, this is really ridiculous. Yeah, don't, don't talk to me about my anger. I'm going to get angry if you keep this up. <laughs> well, he says, he, he kind of gets in my face and he puts out his hand and he says, show me your anger. I'm like, this is lame. This is stupid. And I push on his hand and I kind of sink in the overstuffed couch. And he he kind of gets up in my face and he says, look, Les, it's safe for you to show anger. I want you to show me your anger. There will be no consequence. 
this is a wonderful opportunity. Now, can you show me your anger? And he put out his hand again. And that moment, my entire life changed because, you know, when you turn on a television transmitter, you push the go button and the glycol pumps kick on and the blowers kick on and an awful lot of high-power electricity flows through this equipment and millions of people see a TV signal. Well, in that moment, some valve somewhere in me opened up and a volcano, an immense amount of this anger energy comes pouring out of me. And the engineer in me said, what the hell is that? And I remember the anger's flowing through my body, an awful lot of emotional energies flowing out of my subconscious into the ether. And I said, who the hell are you, more or less, in my mind? And the anger said, I don't care. I really don't care. I'm a feeling, decide your relationship to me. So much energy left my persona, I felt different. I was starting to get ulcers, that disappeared. I was starting, uh, I, had, I had several um, health challenges that were getting worse and worse, all those stopped. That was raw karma in my psyche. So if you want to overcome the challenges in your life, clean out your karma. That's what personal power is about. Karma is so subtle. You were present. You were involved in every ounce of karma you pushed into your subconscious. You were there when every ounce of it got pushed into your subconscious. And yet, could you write a, a thesis about karma? It's so subtle. It's, it's easy in, hard out. <laughs> mm. But the most powerful thing you can do is go inside your psyche and release all that stuff. And then you'll be moving towards purity. And when you move towards purity, you disconnect from the collective storyline. And you can conjure up a dream and hold that vision. And nothing outside of you can sway yourself. And now you're becoming powerful. Our guest this morning is Les Jensen, the author of the brand new book, Forgiven Sinner, God's Last Savior. Uh, Les has also written Citizen King, The New Age of Power, and Personal Power Fundamentals. His website is Les Jensen, that's L-E-S, and Jensen, J-E-N-S-E-N, lesjensen.com, or also try newhumanliving.com. I'm Scott Colborn. Stay tuned for more conversation with Les Jensen right after this. Hi, dudes and dudettes. It's Carol Griswold from Women's Blues and Boogie on your community radio station, 89.3 FM, KZUM Lincoln, and KZUM HD. Support for This Week in Lincoln comes from The Bay, The Bourbon Theater, Duffy's Tavern, and The Zoo Bar. This is live music happening this week in Lincoln. 
Today, Saturday, August 25th, Sonny Sweeney plays the Bourbon Theater at 8 with Ward Davis, and Blues Project plays the Zoo Bar at 6, followed at 9 by Ghost Runners with Night Push and her Flyaway Manor. That is live music happening this week in Lincoln. Have you been thinking about hosting your own radio program on KZUM? Now is the time to let us know. The inaugural KZUM Programmer Academy will be held October 14th through the 28th, and we are currently accepting program applications for enrollment in this new training course. The KZUM Programmer Academy will only be held one to two times per year and is your first step in getting on the air here at KZUM. Apply by September 29th at kzum.org. The full moon lights the silver rails winding around dark mountains and over steep gorges of jagged rock in one freezing cold rushing Black Mountain River. I wish there was enough time to describe all of the funny twists and turns that led up to now, but there isn't enough time because there's a ticking clock and the two passengers we care most about don't know anything about it. To see what happens next, visit read.gov to read The Exquisite Corpse, a riveting adventure pieced together by John Sheska, Shannon Hale, Daniel Handler, and other popular authors. Explore new worlds. Read. Brought to you by the Library of Congress and the Ad Council. Far from the din of commercial culture and just this side of the abstract is a place I call Mesoterra. I'm Vic Valverde, your tour guide for an eclectic musical excursion on a program called Mesoterra. Saturdays, 12 noon until 1.30, right here on KZUM. I'm Scott Colborne. You're listening to Exploring Unexplained Phenomena. Jim and Colleen are here. Next week when you turn on the show, don't worry. It's going to be okay because <laughs> the format for next week only changes because we join the KZUM Labor Day celebration with nothing but the blues. So I will be here next week from 10 o'clock till 12 noon central, but I'll be playing blues and blues rock. So it's an annual show that I enjoy doing as part of the nothing but the blues Labor Day weekend celebration. And don't worry, we'll be back the following week with the regular format. In October, we celebrate 34 years of broadcast. We're the longest running paranormal talk radio program in the world. And it's great to have you guys and gals out there. Our special guest this morning is Les Jensen. Les is the author of multiple books, including Forgiven Sinner, God's Last Savior. Les, can you uh, say something based upon your book and your personal history to parents that have small children out there? Sure. Um, we're, we're living in a very powerful paradigm. The, the definition of power is a difference of potential. And in, in the environment that your children were born into is an opportunity for a soul to play out a very powerful paradigm. In the past, we've, told, we've been told that God is the powerful one, and if we pray to God, God's going to take care of us. But time has proven quite clearly that 
praying in and of itself not going to get it done. It's when a human being, it's when a human being chooses to empower themselves. The power of God is is within the individual, within within your child, within you, the, the parent. When Jesus said, you're going to do everything I will do and more, he's trying to inspire legions of powerful personas, uh, sages, mystics, alchemists, whatever uh, language you want to use. Talk to your children like there's nothing out of their reach that if they, if they so choose, they can accomplish anything they want, and that's the truth. If you raise them to be afraid of the story that's going on, then they will not have the full potential of who they are as a persona. Power comes from within. When, when you pray, you get inspiration, and those are action items for you to play out as a human being. Teach your child to, to tune into that divine wisdom, that higher consciousness within every one of us, and to set that as the compass. Then no matter how bad the storm is outside, the... the child, the human persona, this applies to everyone. I don't care what my eyes show me. I've seen problems in humanity for, for decades. I don't need to see more problems. I, I've, I have a passion in my heart. I have a vision of what's possible for humanity. And I nurture that and I, cult, and I cultivate it. And, and now, in the storm of what's going on, I can clearly and distinctively pronounce that our human potential is going to be what turns us around. So, so teach your child to tune into that, that um, divine wisdom, if you will, that higher consciousness, and follow it as guidance and not pay attention, per se, to what's happening outside of us but to live life from the inside out. Oh, that's a great quote. Live life from the inside out. I like that. What can you say about uh, uh, using one's intuition? Intuition is like a muscle. If you don't um, practice with it, when you really need it, you're going to... Yeah, oftentimes we can uh, self-doubt or second-guess what our intuition is telling us. But your soul is present. Your soul is the source of the consciousness that your ego runs on. Your soul knows the, the purpose of your life. Your soul knows your what would be a powerful course of action in the, in the immediate future, in the next weeks and days. And when when you listen to that uh, intuition, if you will, the, the the wisdom or the knowingness that comes from inside of you, I suggest park your attention there. It's like teach your ego to just sit at the door of inspiration and not try to second guess anything that's going on outside of you, but just sit at that 
point of presence where inspiration flows from inside of you. And when that inspiration shows up, that becomes an action item for the ego. What does Les Jensen like to do for fun? Ride my motorcycle. (laughs) (laughs) Go hiking in the Rockies or snow skiing. Um, And I love... Uh, conversation about human potential and and what kind of paradigms are possible in in our near future on this wonderful beautiful planet tell me about the radio show that you host every Wednesday at 7 p.m. I, I host a new human living radio show we're in our fifth year not near as long as you guys I really applied three plus decades Thank you. but we've had hundreds of conversations with quantum physicists, um, philosophers. Um, I'm, I love interviewing people who are passionate about their purpose. And, and we talk about the power of human consciousness and how it can be um, leveraged for effect in this human storyline that we're going um, we're we're propagating through. Uh, this is a wonderful chapter. I know it seems like chaos. I know it seems like a flipping tsunami, but it's an extremely powerful chapter in our human story for somebody to really hone into their own passion and then stand up and have and have the knowingness of that's why they're here. That that they stand up and passionately go through their day. It's such a feeling of joy when you follow your passion. Mm-hmm. I would agree with you. How can people find out more about the radio station and the uh, the show that you do? At newhumanliving.com, there's a radio tab. Okay. Yeah, it's every Wednesday evening. Yeah. There's also an events calendar on that webpage, newhumanliving.com, and it'll tell you about the shows coming up. Mm-hmm. One of my uh, longtime interests, Les, is the subject of UFOs and the um, the intelligence that is around and behind that that mystery. And I've observed that that slowly but surely the field is changing because there's only so many conversations you can have about nuts and bolts the hardware of a alleged spaceship before you start going to what I think are the bigger and more important questions. And so a lot of the the horizon is looking more and more like consciousness. Sure. That's the link that that we as human beings have with these other intelligent sentient beings is consciousness indeed the you know that you can you can tell if you pay attention to the language just because somebody's an, an alien or a ufo or whatever Or if somebody's channeling, just, you know, channeling is kind of that kind of a a, a etherical thing. Listen 
to the languaging of whoever the hell is talking. Because unconditional love will never tell you what to do. Unconditional love will say, boy, howdy, you know, it's your choice, it's your call. They want you to own your free agency. They want you to own your condition. Our karma is lessons to learn so we grow stronger. Our lessons is how we grow. So a, a, a being of unconditional love will not reach over our shoulders and wipe away anything, period. So if, if there's some persona there saying, well, just sign up and drink my Kool-Aid and worship me and I'll save your ass, bowl. That's, that's a crock. Your BS detector should go off and close the web page and go somewhere else. <laughs> being, the powerful beings want you to grow as a persona. If we don't become strong, if we, if we don't connect with our own personal power, then we're living a facade of actually having any kind of power. But every single persona, every single human being is unlimited potential. So in order for humanity to own the future, to rock our human potential and create a fantastic future, is for us to come to terms with our power. Our religion said, well, God's powerful, you're a worshiper, sit down in the pew and shut up and listen. You gotta heal your relationship with God and that's what for forgiven sinners about. God never intended for you to sit on your fanny and have God be the powerful one. God wants you to be the powerful one. So show up mm -hmm. and claim it and own it. Mm -hmm. You know, Les, when, when I've had the uh, privilege and opportunity of sitting down and talking with people, once we get past the normal exchange of, of pleasantries and make our introductions, and we have got a space where we can get into a deeper area, free from ridicule and free from any negative comments, I'll try to ask people if they've ever experienced anything that's been um, highly extraordinary, significant, wonderfully strange and weird. And Typically, most people have. There's an instance, or plural instances, that something they've experienced has created sort of a bookmark, if you will, in their, in their memory. And I've tried to argue over the years, Les, that it's these very experiences that are in part designed to help us to know that there's more than just what we see and taste and feel and hear and smell. Could I have your comments on that? Sure. As you were saying that, one came to mind immediately. After I had worked with high-powered transmitters for, for several decades, I think my soul wanted me to understand the idea of power. And it took me a couple of years of staring at these flipping transmitters to wrap my noggin around, well, what makes this big piece of equipment power? My, um, there was a moment in my life, I think my soul dragged my, my ego um, into the innermost 
place of my being. I don't, I mean, I don't know that there's a location, but um, I moved into light, and I, I can't describe it outside of light, L-I-G-H-T. It's like stick your eyeballs right up to a light bulb until all you see is white light. Mm-hmm. In that space, there was no duality. There was no time. There was no here or there. It was pure consciousness with zero definition of anything. It was just consciousness. And I suggest that was um, pure consciousness, God consciousness, source consciousness. Choose what you will to call it. And then I come back out of that light and I come back into my um, human awareness and it was like my soul was showing me the, the the journey of consciousness that when I talk about purity and forgiven sinner, when we load up karma, we move away from the light. And when we cleanse our karma, we move back towards the light. Jesus took his buddies off the side and said, hey, check this out. And poof, he turns into white light. Imagine that. And he said, you, you're going to do everything I'm going to do. So I suggest um, purity is um, the key to um, being able to embody the immense power of divine consciousness. I would bet, Les Jensen, that you have an interesting Thanksgiving get-together with your family of origin. <laughs> well... Um, when I get together with my family of origin, you wouldn't um, you wouldn't recognize me as an author. I don't I don't make ripples in my family pond, um, but uh, I I love my uh, family of origin, and uh, um, we all have you know we all have free agency to think and believe and do whatever we want. So. Uh, I, I very much uh, appreciate um, my life path, my family. I think I'm I'm so very grateful for my life path and all of my experiences. So I'm just I'm delighted to be alive in this chapter of our human story. Mm-hmm. Less is our uh, habit here towards the end of the program. Is I'd like to. Uh, turn literally the microphone over to you and have you talk to our listeners that are both live as well as through the archive about um, anything from your heart and soul that you wish to convey. The microphone, sir, is yours. Why, thank you. Take a deep breath and relax. You are safe. You are safe. The consciousness that that is you is untouchable by human intention. Nothing humans decide can touch the truth of you. You're safe. In your being is your own personal passion. You have an authenticity at the core of your being. And that is a place of great rest, of great freedom, of great joy. You're not here to follow anyone. 
You're here to be pure, authentic you. That's the tagline to New Human Living. To be pure, clean your karma, authentic, do whatever the hell you want. You, when you authentically express yourself, you will not tire as much as when you're inauthentic. When you passionately express your own personal desires, that is the, the creative juice flowing in you, through you, as you. Listen to your heart. Give your heart say. Give your heart sway in your everyday living. It has a wisdom that transcends your ego. And lastly, learn how to enjoy this day. Heaven and hell both exist on this planet right now. Heaven and hell is a human experience. The one you focus on and intend is the one you'll create more of. Thank you. Les, thank you very much for taking time from your weekend uh, to be with us and our audience. And uh, how has the reception been for your latest book, Forgiven Sinner? I've really liked uh, the reception. Um, I'm getting really good feedback that it's it's a couple of steps to the left, if you will. It's not a, it's not the classical um, God-centered language. Um, it's kind of a fresh look at um, the whole idea of the of the power of God and the notion of the role of the Savior. So, it, it's kind of curious when you write stuff a little off-center how well it'll be received. But I'm very delighted with what I've heard so far. And what are you doing for the rest of the weekend, Les? I'm going to get on my motorcycle and go up in the Rocky Mountains and take turns and feel the breeze and, and enjoy being alive on this beautiful planet. Okay, sir. Safe journeys to you, and thanks again. Thank you, Scott. I really appreciate being on your show. Les Jensen. Our first-time guest today, the author of multiple books, including Forgiven Sinner, God's Last Savior. I'll give you two websites. The first is his first and last name, lesjensen.com. Jensen is J-E-N-S-E-N, lesjensen.com. And finally, newhumanliving.com. Les Jensen, thank you very much, Les, for being with us here. Uh, stay tuned next week for more Exploring Unexplained Blues. I'll be here <laughs> next week. The format shifts to an all-blues format to celebrate the Labor Day weekend, Nothing But the Blues. And that starts from this Friday through Monday, all through Labor Day weekend. So don't worry. It's going to be fine. Two weeks from today, we're, we're back to our regular format. Over here at my left is Jim and Colleen. You've been silent this morning. How are you both doing? <laughs> doing just fine. Enjoying the conversation. And uh, you. it's always fun to hear your uh, a little bit different take on things. Colleen? Yeah, I have to agree with Jim. You know, it's just, you know, like, like for me, it's just like, um, and I always hate saying this, it's like, it's like a lot of the material that 
that, that uh, the, uh, the field that he's writing in tends to get very repetitive after a while. And it's kind of, to me, it becomes kind of a question of um, somebody else said the same thing. Why are you continuing mm -hmm. to say the same thing? Uh, but but I think he actually wrote something that uh, is of the same source material, but is very different. So he has fresh perspective. Yeah, fresh yeah. perspective. Yeah. And that's what I was actually like because he was sure. a, you know, he wasn't condemning anybody else for mm -hmm. having different beliefs in other religions or spirituality yeah. or anything, which is, you know, you don't really hear a lot of that too much. <laughs> That's well, just me, though. I'm gonna I'm gonna play some guitar, and I'm gonna mow a lawn. But not my lawn. <laughs> but not Jim's lawn. No, I'll be thinking about you Darn. when I mow my lawn. Uh, well, thank you. So you guys, you guys take care. And again, Colleen and Jim, I appreciate and, uh, you being involved here. And I'll and see you in thank you, you as well. Two weeks. Two weeks. And we'll be doing the uh, fundraiser for KZUM and mm -hmm. uh, seeking fifteen hundred dollars in listener donations on that day. Uh, it's the annual KZUM radio fundraiser. If you've enjoyed programs like the one today with Les Jensen, any of the ones we've done over the last thirty-three years then all the more reason to support KZUM. And not only that, but the rest of the uh, darn good programs yeah. down here. <laughs> that right. I maintain that our listeners are the best in the world, and, yeah. and we've made that goal before. We can do it again. Yeah. Our special guest two weeks from today is Andrea Perrin. Yes, the one and only. And it'll be so fun to talk with Andrea again. Okay, guys and gals, stay tuned for Mesoterra. I'm Scott Colborn. Thanks so much for listening, and until next week, walk in beauty.